Okay, Brant, welcome back. Episode seven. We've made it, and we are here to recap some quick thoughts on college football, the NFL weekend. But I really want to press you hard on this Michigan thing uh, this week. That's going to be kind of the the focal point of of this episode. And I really want to pick your brain on something. And I I just got a feeling we may not fully agree on some things tonight. So um, I I, want to forewarn everybody that we may not be on the same page, but we also haven't discussed it. So I want to I want to hear your takes on some things. But before we get into that in Michigan football, quick recap, Brant, any takeaways from this past weekend, college football, NFL football, before we jump into to Michigan in particular? Yeah, I think uh, Michigan and Michigan State and a couple close calls, um, you know, kind of a wake up call for both of those programs and uh, the Lions with yet another heartbreak and um, let the losses pile up at this point. Let's just stack them up and, and get that number one pick. Yeah, obviously, Michigan and Michigan State are, are both undefeated, which is exciting in the state of Michigan, you know, depending on what side of the aisle you sit on. That's a that's a good thing. And, you know, as a Michigan fan, I mean, I'm not cheering for Michigan State by any means, but it's kind of sweet to, to, to see where things sit right now heading into into the month of October. So um, NFL wise. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to talk Lions a, a little bit here after we hit Michigan football, but um, just SOL they, they found a new way to break NFL history. That was that that, that was something else. Um, but, but honestly, we talked about it a little bit last week, just with the NFL. Another thing that I'm excited about that we talked about, uh, with college football last week and a little bit with NFL is just how wide open it seems. Like, I don't know, like the college football seems wide open or wider than it has been, um, in years past, the NFL seems the same way too, right? You've got the chiefs sitting at one and two. Um, just some new teams kind of making some noise. Like I'm, I'm looking at the Carolina Panthers who play our Cowboys this next week it's like okay I'm intrigued a little bit even just beyond like fantasy football and the teams that that we follow the Cowboys and the Lions in particular so I don't know how you feel about that yeah I mean you got a team like the Broncos um oddly enough uh the AFC West looks as strong as any division in the NFL and that that's kind of a strange one and obviously the NFC West which has been pretty good over the last few years but now seems to really be the upper echelon of the whole NFL. Um, and I, I can't even say anybody can win that division because the Seahawks just look like, can they even compete with the likes of the cards or the Rams or, or something like that? So the NFL has uh, some really strong, strong uh, divisions, but also I don't think anybody's unbeatable, obviously. Yeah. I want to hear you say it for Lions fan, for Lions nation here, Brant. We're, we are three weeks through the NFL football season. Who's the MVP right now of the National Football League? God, I, I know it's going to hurt. Go ahead I and say you're it. Trying to, I, I think you're trying to bait me into Matt Stafford, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Matt Stafford second, and I'll give it to Kyler Murray right now. I think Kyler is, is kind, of a, kind of a sweetheart right now, and people are kind of uh, digging what he's doing. He's kind of a flashy player. Stafford's going to have the numbers at the end of the year if he can stay healthy, and I know that's going to be a question mark for him um, and, and probably for Kyler as well. But um, I'm telling you what, I get to see Kyler in December, Dave. I've already bought my tickets, and <laughs> and that's one thing where I think Lions are kind of burning the building down, but I want to see Kyler play still, man. Yeah, uh, and, you so, get to, and you get to see Jared Goff, so that will be exciting. 
Jared Goff and his tiny hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for it. <laughs> um, nice. uh, no, but uh, yeah, I think Matt Stafford's definitely in the run. He's definitely in the top three, man, for everybody, I think, right now. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with, with that. So, And I think actually overwhelming – uh, I, I think line fans are, are happy about that. Ha- happy to see what, what he's doing. So yeah. um, anyway, all right, let, let's hop into Michigan football here. So anybody who caught the game last week, Michigan came out looking strong. The defense looked really good. Um, seemed like things were rolling against a team that, you know, we, we talked about just that spread even seeming like a little high. I don't remember if, what it exactly ended up. It was at like 20 and a half points or whatever. I think we both took Rutgers to, to cover that thinking that, you know, Greg Schiano would have these guys ready to play, and they were a three and Rutgers team. I'm not trying to blow smoke like Rutgers is going to win a national championship, but you know, that's definitely a program on the rise, um, as is a program like Michigan State. And the second half came around, and I, I think panic set in in Ann Arbor. And I think, you know, I was texting with uh with a good buddy, a mutual buddy of ours, Kurt. Um, shout out Curdy. Who you know shout we were Kurt. shout out Kurt. Um, we're always talking Michigan football and sharing our concerns, mostly not necessarily always excitement, but uh, but concerns. And I remember texting him at one point and just saying like, "Okay, you can see the wheel starting to fall off a little bit. Offense is struggling." And I remember telling him, "There's going to be one of three things that's going to happen." And and I was really interested to see this team in particular because we had talked the week before about. They have not faced adversity. So I said, there's one of three things that are about to happen. Um, And I don't remember what the score was at that point, but I'm pretty sure that was like our third three and out in a row or something like that. And I'm like, either the, the, we're about to have heartbreak in Ann Arbor and everybody is about to really bring the hammer down on fire gym right now. Um, I think it would have taken that one loss in Ann Arbor against Rutgers for people to fall off any sort of optimism they were having about the program. So I thought that would happen if they folded in the face of adversity, or I thought that they would surprise us and really put their foot down, establish, or go back to what their identity was, um, and, and also be able to use that identity to, to with some play action. Kate hopefully would make some throws, and they'd still win this game by at least a couple of touchdowns, and we'd leave there feeling happy because I think at that point the defense was playing good enough to be like, okay, we don't look terrible right now, but the offense wasn't clicking. Or I said, we are going to limp across the finish line. And it seemed like we limped across the finish line. We won the game. A win is a win. You're 4-0. But it was a concerning, to say the least, a concerning second half by Michigan football and particularly the offense. Um, And and here it comes. And and this is what I'm going to hit you with. And this is all over Twitter. It's all over the radio right now. Michigan fans are very opinionated. Cade McNamara, believe he completed one pass. I think, I mean, don't quote me on that, but I think he just completed one pass in the second half. And um, unable to, to run the ball. I mean, you can try to run a RPO, but that run option, if you can't run, is a, is a problem, which I know Kurt and I were talking about. Um, and so it begs the question. You've got the shiny five-star quarterback who's looked good when he's come in in meaningless games, J.J. McCarthy, the future of Michigan football. I think we we both agree with that. Um, the kid looks good. He looks every part of what is to be expected. Um, my question is, so is it time for J.J. now? Um, and if not now, when? 
what else do you need to see right now to, to make that change? Um, where, where are you at in the debate of Cade and JJ? I'm on the Cade side and I'm on the Cade side because I don't think you can make the change going into a hostile Wisconsin environment. You can't walk into Madison, just starting fresh like that to me. Uh, Cade's been through some battles now. He knows what it takes. I, I think it's pretty clear. He knows that he had opportunities last game and he blew it uh, on multiple occasions. Um, and, and I think after watching his interview post game, he looked very confused. Uh, so that didn't speak leadership to me. Um, but I don't think this is a right moment for Jim to do that. Um, I would rather see, I think it's, it goes Wisconsin at Wisconsin at Nebraska by week and then Northwestern at home, Dave. Yes. I and then Michigan that's State. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, and, and if, to me, if you're going to make that change, you head to Lincoln and then you come back home for a bye week And if you want to mess with it, then I would say that seems like a good spot to do it. Um, get a game under his belt before a big rivalry game in East Lansing. Um, and you're sure as heck going to see what Cade has in the next couple games. Um, whether that be, he's not making the right reads. He's missing the throws again. Um, I will touch on this quickly, Dave. Uh, one of the things that had me jumping out of the Cade camp during the game was late in the second quarter, very late. It was the play with about nine seconds to go. He had a wide open tight end on a play action. That was, you know, if people get on the play calling, that was called beautifully. That was the perfect call for that moment. Rutgers bid on it and Cade just missed a throw. Haskins slightly missed the block, whatever. I don't care. No excuse. Uh, for a quarterback at this program to make a throw like that. Um, and he's, he flat out just missed it. And when points were at a premium in the first half, you could kind of feel um, 17-3. It gets to 24-3 at half, and you kind of break their will. It's kind of like, oh, man, we're at 21 instead of 14. You know what I mean? At halftime, it, it's kind of just a, a neck stomp, if you will. And, and not having that right before half, I think – those guys going in the locker room at that moment, they thought, well, it's, is it that time again for us to kind of fall apart a little bit? And when things didn't go well, you talked about the adversity before. I think they kind of hit that adversity wall and things they kind of came out in the third quarter and struggled a little bit and it kind of unraveled from there. So um, I think if he makes that easy throw, something that he should be able to make by now for sure, um, this is a little bit of a different game. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and say, well, woulda, coulda, shoulda type stuff. It's, it's flat out. He missed a throw and you can't have that moving forward. So that's my take on it right now. So I am with Cade for now. Very short leads though. Well, that's boring. I thought we were going to disagree on this. Um, I am I'm, I'm exactly with you actually. I, I thought that you were going to be more team, uh, JJ, just because we were texting throughout the game and, and you seem very, very frustrated with, well, with Cade. Well, let me touch on that real quick. I, I am such a huge fan of JJ. Just, I mean, five stars don't mean anything. Look at Graham Mertz, right? Um, but, right. but the, the unsung live, hero to Wisconsin. Right. And, and he's, he's very, um, he, he looks the part, right? So, so I'm with him for right, uh, or I'm with Cade right now, but I think that JJ obviously is going to have a great football future uh, wherever he goes. Um, yeah. But um, I, I just think in those moments when you're watching the game, you get so frustrated, right? And you got to take a step back. 
and you've got to think about leadership with the team and the culture and everything you're trying to build. And those are real things. And, and you can't just, Hey, we're going to take them out now. You know, what does that do to the rest of the squad? So you have to take that into account. And I think that there's a time and a place for it. And I don't think right now is that time. I, I completely agree. The, the thing I'll like just express some of my frustration with Michigan fans it is because, you know, especially living down here, just 20, 20 minutes from Ann Arbor, there's just, and this doesn't represent all Michigan fans, but it's just like people never learn. And it's, it's always like the, the next guy up has got to be it. And I'm not saying that JJ is not it because I, I love the kid. I want the best for him. I do think he is really good. Um, but at the same time, it's just like at every, see John O'Corn, see Brandon Peters see Joe Milton when Shea was struggling, right? It's just like, we hear this all the time. And, and I do think that JJ is different. Um, we need to see he's got, but you have to bring him along the right way. Um, and, and certainly it's not going to be in Madison in our biggest game of the season to change what the entire locker room, his name, Cade McNamara is not just the quarterback, but the leader of this team that would be foolish to make that change right now. Um, but what I would like to see is to bring him along the right way. And the, how I think you do that is not just in that bye week, but over these next couple of weeks, win or lose, you've got to find a way to, to let JJ see the, the field in some meaningful minutes. Get him out there in a set where he can have the run option and have an ability to make a play. I'm not sure what that looks like. I mean, almost like in a, I don't want to say a perfect world because I'm not, don't, I am not wishing an injury on Cade McNamara by any means. But what I'm saying is if Cade had to step out for a series or two to get looked at and then he's able to come back into the game, that's almost ideal in a way because it's like those are true meaningful minutes to really get a look at what J.J. could do. But that's also not something that I actually hope happens because I don't want, you know, I don't want Cade to get hurt or whatever. But they've got to find a way to get creative to get him in on some uh, on some sets and see what he looks like against some really tough competition against some power five teams. Right. It, it's a lot different than playing Western or getting snaps against NIU. Now you're talking about Wisconsin. Now you're talking about Nebraska, Northwestern, Michigan State. I mean, these games are, say what you will about Nebraska or, or Northwestern, who doesn't seem to be having the year that they thought they were going to have. These are good teams, and, and they, are, they are going to sick a lot of pressure on a, on a young kid like J.J., and I think that you've got to you've got to bring him along in the right way. That's going to let him experience some success, too. That's always my concern is that you like you wait and wait and wait. And then something happens. Let's say K does get hurt or like he really isn't that guy. And all of a sudden you need JJ. You throw him to the wolves and he's just not what everybody's expecting him to be. And I think it's unfair to think of this kid because he's a five star, which We've seen before, and Nefer will remind us of that, as you know, um, it doesn't mean anything. And, and, and those stars go away real quick, and you're another guy on the roster. And, and, and I think that it's unfair for fans to have this expectation that J.J. needs to come in this year, give him the snaps, because why not at this point? And that's what I keep hearing as the argument is, like, nobody really says when the right time to bring him on is, because I don't think – people necessarily know you had a good take on that of when that potentially could be.
but it's like what, what I've heard is, look, you kind of know what Kate is at this point. He can't run. He's a pocket passer. He had one bad half where he, where he missed some throws that he's made, mind you, even in limited snaps, he's made in those other games. And so what I've heard is you kind of know what he is. So why would you not unleash the higher ceiling and the potential that JJ has? And I, and I see what people are saying, but it's just, man, it, it's almost sometimes like we just don't learn um, with these kids. And I think that hopefully Jim and the coaching staff has a way to bring him on appropriately. And, and by all means, if he is the starting quarterback by the end of the season, which I go back to like one of the first episodes we recorded, we both thought like, that's a real possibility. If this kid is good, he could be the signal caller by the end of the season. But right now it's just not the time. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, obviously, you know, I'm with you, but um, the thing I really thought we would disagree on Dave coming into tonight was um, the play calling. I, I actually haven't been, I, I have not been very critical of the play calling. I didn't think it was too terrible against Rutgers. I thought we didn't make plays. We didn't execute the plays. Um, so it made it look worse than it actually was. If you watch some of the offensive line work, there was some missed blocks. It was just kind of sloppy up front a little bit. Um, but overall, people want to point to and say, we've only thrown it 16 times against Rutgers. Like, what is that about? Um, well, a lot, of ha- a, lot of ha- a, lot of be- a lot of that has to do with the three and outs and the three and outs and the three and outs that were coming because nobody was executing. Nobody could sustain the drive. So you're only going to get a couple throws in the second half on each drive. If that, you might only get one. So, um, I, so I, I, I agree. I, I don't, for me, it wasn't the play calling necessarily because they, they, we just missed some play. We missed blocks, missed throws. The play calling was okay for me, but I go back to what I said, or we said last week or a couple weeks ago. The issue is that once again, they finally face adversity. And when you have not thrown the ball that many times, all of a sudden you were forced to throw the ball and it looked, it looked bad. And maybe it was just one game. Maybe it was just one half, but they waited, they waited and they waited. And I get why they did because the run game has been working. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, it got broke and it got stuffed and it wasn't fixable. And now you're going into Madison and say what you it's will. It's going to get stuffed. It's going to get stuffed. It's going to you get stuffed. <laughs> you're, you're facing a good defense, a Big Ten defense that is going to play you tough. And it is a tough place to win games. Sure, they're one and two. Sure, they lost to Notre Dame last week. And, and that score looks a lot worse with Graham Mercer and those picks at the end of the game. Poor Nefer killed his uh <laughs> killed his bet there with those. Yeah, but killed his under. Right. But I I just think that and, and wasn't there other loss to Penn State? Yeah. Okay, so so Five there six. you go. Okay, there you go. So there are there are two losses against potentially I'm not high on Notre Dame. Um so I they earned my respect a little bit more last week. Uh, but their their two losses are to two top ten teams. And and so Let's just pump the brakes on saying that Wisconsin is, is not good. And, and that was one topic that I wanted to bring up actually is because that is, that's another thing that I'm hearing. So, so now they play Wisconsin. Now Wisconsin's one and two and you're four and oh, so you should be able to go into this game and, and win this. And, and at this point, it's just a, it's going to be a disappointment if you can't win this game because you're obviously 
showing that you're the better team and that Wisconsin's not it this year. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like if Michigan does somehow win this game in Madison, that it means less than it did, let's say, two weeks ago? Absolutely none. If you haven't won in a place in 2000, since 2001, it's going to mean something. And it should mean something to Michigan fans everywhere because that's not a place you just waltz in. I don't care what their record is. You don't walk into Madison and just walk out with a W. Uh, Penn State was lucky enough to, you know, opening game of the year, uh, catch them with a few things. And I think that Wisconsin didn't realize how good Penn State was. I said it on our, our, our very own bar, our, our very own podcast. Um, so I think it's one of those cases where Wisconsin has been underperforming. Michigan may have been overperforming a little bit up until the second half of last week and, and something's got to give and, and Wisconsin's bringing in that number one rush defense in the nation. So, like I said before, it's going to get stuffed at some point, something's not going to work. Cade needs to not be tight. He needs to go through his reads. He needs to not get rattled. Um, he's going to get sacked. I mean, that's going to happen. You're going to have to bounce back up and you're going to have to make throws and you're going to have to make plays. And he's going to have to make plays with his arms because his legs are not playmakers, right. if you will. Right. So right. you touched on that a little bit earlier. He's a pocket passer. Well, if you're a pocket passer, you cannot miss easy throws. Yes. And, and one thing that I have liked from him is he has taken care of the ball. He has not put him in dangerous positions. He's not putting tip balls out there. Um, so that's been good. But this week, this weekend, he's going to have to step up, be a leader, make the throws. And don't forget, they're still missing Ronnie Bell. And that is a thing. Like, they're still learning how to live life without him. And it's going to make life a heck of a lot easier if you can get into Madison and get a W and you're going to feel really good about your offense if you throw for 200 yards and a couple tutties. Well, I, I think that and I want to shift into a little bit. So we're, you're kind of touching on it, and so am I, about the keys to victory. So right. this is going to be a big game. It's a noon game. Of course it is, right, in Madison. I One of the first keys for me is, like, you've got to win the, the turnover battle. It seems like that should be an easy thing to do right now, the fact that Michigan has not turned the ball over one time this, this year. They, they have not turned it over on a fumble. They have not turned it over on an interception. They come into this week, to my understanding, with zero turnovers that's huge that's good that's that's a winning recipe um if, if you can maintain and and credit to Cade uh right and and obviously to the running backs as well who have had the bulk of the offensive snaps but he is the true game manager and if we can manage to not turn the ball over against a stout defense and win the turnover battle and and that's kind of been one of my things with with Michigan's defense or a really good looking defense but as far as forcing turnovers, hasn't necessarily been their strong suit yet. Um, I, I think that it's there. The possibility is there. But, man, you got to – like, if, if there was ever a time to bring back a pick six or two, it's got to be against Graham Mertz. I mean, he – I think he's thrown, like, seven or eight picks or something already this year and, like, one touchdown. So, he is struggling, and, and I think they've got to pounce on that. Their running game does not look dominant. Um, and, and so I think that the defense is really going to be a, a key to the victory, not just in the sense of like limiting them scoring points, but forcing turnovers. Do you have anything else that you're kind of seen as like something that they have to do to win this game besides well, win the turnover battle? I think the line of scrimmage is going to be very important. 
And I think the line of scrimmage, you don't necessarily have to win, but you have to be evens. Um, you, you cannot get bullied around by Wisconsin's defensive line because that's the name of the game for them. They want to win up front. They want to get to Cade. They don't want to let you rush for a yard. So the line of scrimmage to me is going to be us. We're going to pull and pin. We're going to, we're going to have the motion. We're going to do things like that where we're going to try to get to the edge. And that's going to be good. I think that's going to take a lot of pressure off Cade. So uh, you touched on the turnovers a little bit, which is very true. I think we got a little bit of momentum at the end of the game. I think the defense is, is definitely went out on a high from last game where they ended the game on the turnover. That is important, I think. It's kind of got them a little bit fired up. Like, hey, we make plays too. Don't forget about us. We're here, right? I can't say his last name, but it's David Njagbo? Ojabo. <laughs> Ojabo. So, I mean – um, kind of like one of those unsung hero type guys, right? So once those guys really get fired up and they get into it, I think that they'll have some sort of uh, different mentality heading into Wisconsin. Like, hey, we play ball too on this side. So um, yeah. I, I think the line of the the line of scrimmage is going to be just as telling as anything in this game. I I agree. And and the last thing is, I think that this defense has got to you got to make Graham Mertz beat you. Like that's yeah. got to get put the pressure on, on him, stuff that run game, make Graham Mertz throw that football. I mean, I seriously want to see at this point, I'm not saying he doesn't have it in him. He looked a lot better than he did. You know, he looked a lot better in the past than he does right now. He's obviously yeah. struggling. Um, but at this point, you got to get in his head early. You got to hit him. You got to put him on his back. He's got to be pressured um, and make him make those throws that he's been unable to, to do. Um, and make him spread out the field and make some tough throws. So, um, yeah, I, I think that those are definitely some, some keys to, to victory. And I know we're going to talk here, you know, towards the end of this about best bets, and we'll for sure talk that spread um, and, and make some predictions on, on that game. So um, any other thoughts before we shift into a, a, just a quick little segment on the Lions heartbreak last weekend? No, I, I just think it's going to be one of those uh, ground and pound type games. Um, we are not going to bet on the over under on that, but if you were a betting man, I'm thinking the under, right, right, right. I, I, I would probably think so too. So, all right. So shifting into the lions, oh man, the, the lions just wrote, I, I brought the, I, I told you I wanted to bring this up as a topic because my wife and I had a disagreement, you know, on Sunday when the line so the lions lose on like an nfl record long justin tucker field goal hits the the crossbar and just kind of tumbles on in right and and the lions go down and i'm like yes like i'm sitting on the couch i'm like yes and and my wife was like why is that a good thing and that was her whole thing was like i don't understand how that is a good thing and from like a player's perspective and the culture there and what they're trying to win it's like that's a heartbreaking loss. And that's tough for those guys. I got to go back to that locker room. Um, and, and how is that necessarily a good thing in the, in the grand scheme, in the grand scheme of things. And then I was on the opposite side, like trying to explain why this is a good thing. Cause I go back to, you know, initially when the season started, what I was hoping for the lions is that this new coaching regime, new, you know, Brad Holmes and what he's trying to do as well. And then you've obviously got Dan Campbell, who's just like an interesting personality, you know, a bunch of ex NFL players on the coaching staff. And I'm like, ideally, ideally they are in every single game and shock some people that they are like, even in it, 
but they lose every single game because you need some high, high draft. You need a top three draft pick. And winning that game against the Baltimore Ravens does nothing for you in the in the in the long term in terms of just draft capital alone and be able to really put some true talent, which by the way, on the defensive side of the ball, out of the 11 starters that the Lions have, I don't I, I do not think that any of those guys would put start on like any other NFL team. So like that whole, like you need to replace 11 players. There's all that, like this rebuild is going to get brutal real quick. So what's your take on that? Like watching that, that game last weekend, was that a good thing, a bad thing? Or like, what are your thoughts on just the lions right now? Well, I'm with Kate in this aspect. Um, I think it would have been okay. So first of all, there's Monday through Sunday fans like yourself where you're thinking about the future, right? And then there's the Sunday fan who just wants to sit down and watch their team win, which I have appreciation for both because, you know, people don't people don't get into sports like we do, Dave. You know what I mean? But they do want to see their team win on a Sunday, man. That That's a lot of fun for anybody. So, um, and for Dan Campbell, I think it was important that he didn't crap the bed in that moment. Unfortunately, he crapped the bed in that moment. and And that's unfortunate because this guy – he is a master motivator, right? That's his calling card. If he has anything, it's I can get the boys up and we're going to try and we're going to try and we're going to try and we're going to give our best effort. What was your best effort to call a timeout for the Ravens and let them get set and get a play together so you could get beat? That doesn't seem like best effort to me. So he, in turn, let that team down, I think, on Sunday. And Dan Campbell's got to take that one on the chin. Um and he, and he kind of scapegoated after the game, which I didn't care for either. Um, you know, Lions fans don't want to hear about the delay. Of, I mean, they're upset about the delay of game missed call, whatever. Happens to them all the time. They're used to it. But don't give the Ravens a reason to win the game, in my opinion, Dave. And Dan Campbell let him off the hook a little bit. And uh, I think it would have went a long ways for Lions fans to see Dan Campbell get a stop on that, on that side of the ball. And uh, – and, and not give the Ravens the 66-yard field goal look, uh, to me anyway. And, and it would have gave the Lions fans some hope in their coach going forward of, hey, he might not have any good players on that defense, but he's the one that stopped Lamar Jackson. Right. So. Right. I, I agree with that take uh, completely. On Also, though, to give Dan Campbell a break, he's a first-year head coach. Like, yeah. you're going you're gonna to have to – he signed to a six-year deal for a reason, by the way. Um, I, I think it's pretty evident what they're trying to do in that they know they're not winning anytime soon, and they are trying to establish a culture right now and know that you know, hopefully in three-plus years, that culture is established and you've got the right guys there to start winning some games. And it's going to be brutal for, for a while. Dan Campbell, he's going to make those kind of mistakes, right? Hopefully not like all the time or else that would be very concerning, but like first year head coach. Yeah. That, that kind of stuff is not surprising to me. And, and obviously it's disheartening to see as a, as a fan, but also the mismanagement of a clock and timeouts. And I mean, that's nothing new for Lions fans. I mean, they're griped about that with Jim Caldwell. Yeah, uh, Dave, one quick question for you while we're on the Lions is, uh, do you think Sheila cared that she lost that game? I don't know if Sheila could hear the game after she got booed <laughs> off the field, um, which, God, maybe we should have done a topic on that. Just real I, quick, though, real quick, how great was it that 
Calvin wasn't getting booed. Sheila's getting booed. Calvin came back, kind of gave us, gave Detroit the thumbs up, kind of gave the Fords the double birds and, and got out of that place. Um, you know what? Cheers to Calvin Johnson, legend, Detroit hero. Um, I don't know what to tell the Fords. You know what I mean, man? Just. Well, it. I, I have a different take on that because I, yeah, I, I get the whole booing thing. And I, I think that the, the biggest mistake that Martha, that um, Sheila, sorry, I called her Martha, um, <laughs> that Sheila had made was keeping Quinn Trisha one year too long. That That's just the bottom line. I mean, she, say what you will about Tua and his injuries. Um, sure, you missed on Tua. You missed on Justin Herbert. And it wasn't just a matter of taking like Jeff Okuda, who they thought was better at the time. The reality is, is that by keeping those guys that one extra year and giving them the keys to take the player that they wanted, they were not here that next year and set this franchise back, in my opinion. So, like, that was a damning moment for her, in my opinion, as, as an owner. That's going to be tough to come back from. Um, but on the flip side of it, I understand the passion and the loyalty of Lions fans. And But you know what? You really want to stick it to ownership as you're booing them off the field and say, screw the fours and this and that as Ford field is like sold out and Lions fans are covered in lions gear. Very good point. I I understand the loyalty piece and, and loyal to a fault. Almost you want change around here. You want them out of here. Stop going to the games. Stop buying the gear. I know it's hard to do as a fan, but it's like, don't you don't have a right to, to boo the owners here and everything. It's all about money. And I'm sorry. Those fans are showing up no matter what product is on the field, and and the Fords have loved years and decades of that. So so just chill, Lion fan. That's what I would say. Yeah, she also made Calvin give his money back, which was a BS move. She shouldn't have done that, but you know, that's that's neither here nor there. Right, right. Yeah, the, the Lions seem to have a history of like burning bridges with their best players of all time. <laughs> See Barry Sanders. Legends. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, man. We are we are up against it here. Brant's best bets this week. Hit me with it. I'll be completely honest. I have not taken a look at these yet. So, all right, that's the best way you can bet. Bet with your heart, then, Dave. I'm, I'm going to. All right, hit me. Well, let's roll all right, through. Oh, it. We got Wisconsin or uh, Michigan traveling to Madison. Uh, Wisconsin's favored by a point and a half. Wisconsin covers the spread. Wisconsin covers the spread. I have Michigan money line. So I think Michigan actually gets it done this weekend. Um, MSU uh, is an 11 point favorite over Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers night game. Yeah. Uh, 11 points. I I think after a little scare last week against Nebraska, they're probably going to come back a little fired up um, in a night game. I'll take Michigan State to cover. I don't think Western Kentucky is very bad. I think that they are a competitive team. I think that they can keep it within 10, so I will take the points and the Hilltoppers. Um, Iowa at Maryland, Dave. I got Iowa as a a three-and-a-half point favorite. This is like one of those weird Big Ten Friday night games. Weird stuff happens on the Friday night games. So Iowa travels to Maryland, three and a half. Doesn't seem like a very big number for a good Iowa team to cover. What do you got? I tell you what, I would put Iowa on upset alert this weekend. And I'm not (laughs) saying that Maryland wins the game, but I think that that 
spread may be telling you something that you should pay close attention to. And I, I'm going to take, I'm not going to take Maryland on the, on the money line quite yet. Uh, but with it being a Friday night game, weird things do happen. Yep. I just got a feeling that, that this game is going to, I think I was going to be a little pressed to be quite honest with you. And I think Maryland um, has a real opportunity to cover that spread. So I'm not overly confident with this pick, but I'm going to take Maryland to, to cover those, uh, or I'm sorry, to, with the three and a half points. Okay. Uh, just so you know, quick note, Kirk Ferentz was one of the one those guys that was irate about the Friday night games, hates them. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know, maybe he's got a point to prove and uh, maybe he just wins this thing by a bunch. I like Iowa in this one. Um, all right. Moving into the NFL lions at bears, bears, three and a half point favorites. Justin Fields taking the field. I think. Well, geez. Okay. Here's my thought on that. Justin Fields. The Bears are so stupid. Matt Nagy, I, I'm sorry. They they bring Justin Fields out there for his first start, and they literally run the Andy Dalton-styled offense and got this poor guy killed out there. Um, I don't have a ton of confidence in the in the Bears at all. Like, Matt Nagy's got to go. Um, it, it's a problem. I don't even know who they're – their um, offensive coordinator is, but he's got to go after. I, yeah, I, terrible. I, you got it. Um, all, all of that being said, um, I think that this is going to be a very close game. And I think the lions cover that spread three and a half or not cover with the, I keep saying that they, with the points, give me the point lions with the points. Sorry. All right. I'm taking the lions money line, man. I think that they get their first win this week. I think coming out of the heartbreak hotel, uh, bears are absolutely awful. Dumpster fire, fire naggy. Um, I'll take the lions on the money line, uh, cards at Rams Rams giving away five to the cards, man. That's a, that's quite a bit of points for Kyler. That's quite a bit of points. I know it's in LA and yep. how, how cute is it that LeBron shows up oh my and then, God. Love and, then it. and then admits that he was grew up a Cowboys fan, but now he's like a Browns fan. He's like the the Drake of the NFL. He's just like a fanboy out there. Uh, I'm already – I mean, I like Stafford, but I'm just already annoyed with the whole L.A. thing. Give me the cards there. And in a way, I kind of just hope they win this game, to be quite honest with you. But five points seems like a lot against Kyler and that, you know, that loaded loaded offense. Who They seem to have some things working out themselves. Um, so and, and Rams are coming off a, a really big win, right, a, against Tampa Bay. At some point, I think they've got to to stutter. And as these weeks go on, I think, you know, teams are getting more and more film on Stafford in this offense. Right now, they're doing whatever they want. It's like Cooper Cup's just – he's like just jogging out. They seems wide open. They haven't even done anything with Robert Woods yet. I, the, the whole thing just seems weird to me. I, I do think that they're good, uh, but I'll take the cards. Five seems like way too too much. Yeah, I'm going to take the cards too, and I'm, I'm going to take the Rams to win though. Um, yes, same here. Okay. Uh, Bucks at Pats. Uh, Bucks getting are giving away six and a half. Tom Brady coming back home. Who hates who more? <laughs> yeah, Is it, for sure. It, and I can answer that for you. Tom seems, I think Tom and Gronk are going to go out here and connect for, I think they're going to have themselves a day. And I'm curious. I just, I'm, I think that everybody's excited to watch this game to see. I, I think that New England fans will be, you know, be a warm reception to have Tom back home and 
how could you not when you win like a million Super Bowls there? Um, but Belichick's also got like this, you know, he's just stewing. Like it, it killed Belichick last year because not only did Tom leave and the Patriots yeah. just totally sputter under the Cam Newton experiment, um, but you got to go and watch 59-year-old Tom Brady leave you and go win a Super Bowl with a new team and, and immediately the genius Belichick cheater Belichick um, cheater <laughs> and all of a sudden is like, Oh, I don't know. Like who was the brains of this operation? Maybe it was Tom Brady. Um, it's a long, long analogy to, to say that. I just think that Tom has just got this aura about him that he's going to go into Foxborough and just have a ton to prove. And I think that they, they win this game pretty candidly i think they cover that spread and i think mac jones is going to really struggle what about you yeah give me the bucks i don't care how many points it's uh six and a half i'll take i'll take it um all right dave lock of the week man um i got cincinnati at notre dame notre dame underdog in this game coming off a wisconsin win looked pretty dang good uh the defense looks up to par um I don't quite love their offense yet, but Jack Cohn has just this weird way to win games. Um, he kind of reminds me of like Eli Manning or something. This guy just keeps winning games. It's, it's weird. So um, Notre Dame's at home. Cincinnati has been kind of just getting by. They were losing to Indiana a little bit earlier in the year. Uh, they did end up walking away with a win there, but I don't know. I think Luke Fickle runs out of steam here, and this team loses. Uh, yes, yeah, Cincinnati has not looked that good. No, um, and, and really, and like I said last week, Notre Dame has not looked good either up until that Wisconsin no. game last week. Um, I, I don't know if it's the the that's a bull take to say once again that's the lock of the week with them being on the money line. Uh, but I I certainly am with you with that being a home game too. That that Notre Dame looks like the the favorite in my mind to to win that. I'm not not overly impressed with Cincy at all. So yeah, to be able to double your money on them on the money line seems like kind of a good get though. You know what I mean? So, yeah, for sure. Yep, so. absolutely, absolutely something to parlay with with something else that you are pretty confident about. So, um, all right. That's it. Episode seven in the books, uh, garage takes, make sure that you do us a favor. And right now what's cool is this is kind of taken off in a way that we were not really expecting. Like this past week, we had, um, almost 60 downloads of this last episode, which was pretty awesome and kind of surprising to us. Um, but the one thing that we really need to, to up is our followers. And what that does, um, if you get on Apple Podcasts, and we're actually going to be on Spotify too this week, and I'm, I'm not sure, I'm sure it's easy to do on Spotify as well. Um, but if you actually go, I think there's like three little dot. If you're like on Apple Podcasts, there's like three little dots in the upper right-hand corner. If you click on that, click follow or subscribe. I forget what it says. Um, and what that'll do is, um, then you're official follower of the, of, of our podcast, which is, which is a good thing for us. Um, but also anytime we upload a new episode or do anything with the podcast, you get an update to your phone, um, when something new is, is uploaded. So do us a huge favor this week and, and give us a follow. And we, we hope, you know, in the future to have this thing grow and bring some, some people onto the show as well. 
Yeah, definitely, Dave. And and one of the things is my dad called me earlier today and he was like, hey, when's that new podcast dropping? And uh, so shouts to Gary Weaver, man. Hey, and uh, shout out to Dan Waldecker, my father-in-law. <laughs> he asked me the same thing yesterday. So, so yeah, we, so. we, we've got, uh, we've got people asking, which is cool. It's making this a lot of, a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, do us, give us some support, give us a follow, and we will certainly get this out on social media and we welcome to your feedback, any thoughts yeah. that you might have on anything or, or things that you want us to talk, uh, want us to talk about. We're happy to do it. So appreciate the support. We'll see you all next time.